Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of Blue Shirts Breakaway Podcast. And today we are going to be addressing the most recent game versus the New Jersey Devils, the lines and everything, and just our preview for the upcoming game and more New York Rangers talk. But before we get into this, I do want to let you guys know that we do have a Twitter and Instagram account, so be sure to click the link in the description and go ahead and check those out. Follow us there. Also, be sure to subscribe on youtube and also follow us on spotify and apple Podcasts. now let's just jump into it the new york rangers had a brutal four to three loss against the new jersey devils on tuesday night it was not good considering the rangers were the better team they had 50 shots on goal and couldn't come up with the win because mackenzie blackwood played out of his mind and go figure he missed today's game against the new york islanders because of coronavirus or being on the COVID list at the very least for the Devils. And I'm pre- he might have tested positive. I don't remember, but didn't play against them. But we had to face him. Nothing he could do there. And if he does have corona, hopefully he recovers quickly. But just unfortunate that we had to face him because he was lights out in that on Tuesday night and it was just very unfortunate now we like to start every episode as you guys know with a segment where we point out who the best player was Jack I'll let you start who was the best player on Tuesday night um Adam Fox 100% um he uh he was the most aggressive out there he stole mine (laughs) (laughs) uh he had uh six shots on net uh, two assists, so he put he balled out last or two nights ago, just did absolutely insane. And I like to see that from him, I really like him a lot. Yeah, and I was talking about on um, my other channel, I was talking about how it's unfortunate that he ended up getting hit with a minus one because of the fact that he was so good that night, and he was the only one really that was good defensively on tuesday night and yeah you stole mine but i do have someone else in mind i have a couple people that i've been thinking about fox was gonna ultimately be the one that i was gonna say but i will pick someone else and it's between three people i was gonna pick Kreider, but he wasn't outstanding enough he did have the goal and then same with Sabanja, i was gonna pick him but again like that wide open that kind of like made me take that one back and they were both power play goals after all yeah i don't know how he missed that we'll talk about that a little later because there was a couple things that just pissed me off about that night but i gotta give it to brendan lemieux not only for being a warrior and blocking those two shots from pk subin the guy just played so good on tuesday night and i don't know what it was but we saw a different Brendan Lemieux. He wasn't just playing physical. He was also playing blocking shots. He was skating fast, getting some good scoring opportunities, almost scored on a breakaway there, which was kind of frustrating. I wish he did get a penalty shot there, but nothing you could do about that there. But overall, he played a really great game, and I wish that he got more power play time also, and I just wish he was able to score that night because he played really well now uh though let's talk about what went wrong for the rangers because georgiev was in the net he was uh named the starter he went in got 19 saves and then shesterkin started the third do you think georgiev is to blame for this game or do you blame defensive play on this one 
I mean, a team loss is a team loss. I blame both the defense and the goaltender. He should have, he could have stopped a couple, but I mean, it all goes back to the defense. You know, we got Jacob Truba. I mean, he is. Oh my God. Turnover machine. He's been a turnover machine. I mean, it is ridiculous. And when you put your goaltender in that situation and you give Jack Hughes a free breakaway, he's scoring nine out of 10 times. I guarantee it. Yeah, absolutely. And I say Georgiev is not to blame for this game at all. And if anyone does blame Georgiev, you're in the wrong. The first goal was absolutely his fault. That 100% is Georgiev's fault. He should have saved that. But the other goals, you look at them. The Jack Hughes won the first one. Lindgren should have, I don't know where he was looking, but he should have been able to stop that one. The second Jack Hughes goal, yeah, it got him five hole, but Lindgren also with a poor defensive play there. And then the Miles Wood one was on a power play ultimately and it ended up being a kicking motion which Quint said that he he said in the post game that he regrets on challenging it which could have possibly changed the outcome of the game unfortunately so he should have just went for it and challenged it but I mean in the moment he wasn't confident enough he didn't want to risk going on the penalty kill with that one so at that point he felt more comfortable just letting it play out and it ultimately would have changed the game obviously because we would have at least gotten a point out of that because it would have went to overtime but overall i thought quinn had a poor coaching performance himself i don't know if you feel the same way but man like if you just look at the ice time which is always how i evaluate quinn's coaching performance you have julian goche getting less than 10 minutes you have kako getting uh 14 minutes 14. you have di giuseppe only getting 11 30 and Hedl getting only f- a little under 14 which i thought that, that was one of the best lines like i said gochier then under 10 minutes lafreniere only got a little over 14 and then you had jack johnson get more ice time than all of them which i know he's on defense so he might be getting more ice time but it's just inexcusable at this point what Quinn is doing and also he barely rolled out the second power play unit on the power play he tired them tired that first unit out and it showed a lot I mean Zibanejad I don't even think on that entry that he got at the end he really got hit there he kind of just like went into the boards and it was just that what he was just winded in my opinion I think yeah the entire power play unit was that first power play unit just was not they were good obviously because it got two goals but it just they were getting overworked in my opinion here's a little bit of a perspective for the power play units how the time was distributed so Panarin got a total of eight minutes and 56 seconds on the power play he is on unit one Strom on unit one who missed a wide open net on the power play at the end which Oh, God. That Or he went to pass it, I should say. He didn't even miss an open net. Yeah, he decided to he pass did. it on an open net, which he was brutal. I, if we had to give worst player, he's probably the guy that you could say was the worst player of the game, 100%. And I'm still pissed we signed him to that contract, considering Barzell only signed for $7 million, could have offersheeted him. Anthony Sorelli signed for less than him, I'm pretty sure. Could have offersheeted him. Pierre Dubois on the trade market, which I think he's going to ultimately end up with the Rangers either way. But that's a topic maybe for later in this episode that we could talk about because that's a little interesting that what ha- or what happened with him tonight. 
with uh, Columbus. But back to what I was saying, you had Kreider, who's on that unit also, 8 minutes and 42 seconds. Zibanejad, uh 7 minutes and 38 seconds. And then Fox, 8 minutes and 44. So power play 2. Lafreniere, 47 seconds. Brett Howden, 17 seconds. Kako, a minute 48 Lemieux, 44 seconds. Hedl, 44 seconds. Buchnevich, who was flip-flopping between the two units, had two minutes and 31 seconds. And then you had Truba get a minute 16 on the power play, which I'm sure D'Angelo is going to end up uh, playing tomorrow night or tonight, I should say, by the time this is going up. He will probably be playing and then quarterback in that second power play. I don't see them really changing anything with Fox there. But... You cannot be handing out power play time like that. The fact that m- most of your second unit got under a minute. <sighs> Come on, Quinn. Yeah. I mean, for me, I feel like he just ultimately just overworks that first power play line. Like, you know, you got Panarin and Zibet and Jav on there. He's like, oh, those guys, every time we get a power play, you know, they're going to get us a goal. But, you know, when you overwork them and it comes into that late third period, when you need that goal, you know, they're going to be winded and, you know, that – that can like ultimately final third period play just when like your, all of your players just gassed. And I think that he should put more trust in the second power play, bringing it back to the ice time, you know, Capo Caco and um, all these young players, they just need more ice time. You know, these are your, this is your future. And if you want to know how good your future is, you have to give him time. Like he still needs to adjust from coming over um, from Olympic size rink, so it's like he needs time to adjust. And if he's only getting fourteen minutes a game, it's just not gonna work. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And just like he's Quinn is just honestly screwing this team a lot. I mean, Keandre Miller, he didn't even give any penalty kill time. Like, what are you even doing there? And just I. I just don't understand what Quinn is doing at this point. Giving Panarin too much ice time. Yeah, he the guy was a Hart Trophy finalist, Ted Lindsay finalist last year. But I'm sorry, the way all these teams in the league are winning, they're handing out equal ice time to their players. You look at the Islanders who went to the conference finals, they roll out all four lines. You have the Lightning, they roll out all four lines. You have all these teams rolling out all four lines pretty much equally yes your top two lines i agree should get more time but you gotta start giving a little more equal ice time here like just playing goche less than 10 minutes in the game when he's been one of your best players all season come on quinn come on it, it's yeah. inexcusable yeah it's it's very inexcusable too and i think most games you know a lot of hockey games are won from third and fourth line goals you know who can compete better when you're going up against their fourth and third line you know who's going to win that dog fight and you know those are the goals that you could potentially score to put you back in the game against their weaker line you're just not giving them ice time and it's just not going to match up right yeah yeah i agree with that and for this game though like i said kind of at the beginning we got you just gotta tip your cap to blackwood on this one he was absolutely insane 50 shots on goal for the Rangers and they come up with three goals like yeah the offense you can't really complain except for the last five minutes 
and that was kind of showing the fatigue and all the players being winded. You had Zabanajad, Kreider, Panarin, Strom, all of them making poor plays and all of them making bad, sloppy passes, missing open nets. You just had poor play from them all in the last few minutes of that period, of that third period, especially when it was the six on four at the end. That was just so sloppy, and I... That was just terrible to watch yeah, and the rangers I, should have scored there i can't even believe that yeah um like when panarin had that wide open net you know he, normal panarin like he's fully like charged i guess you could say he's like not winded he's taking that shot as soon as it hits his stick like he's not wasting any time he's looking to score a tie of the game and you know see him not shoot the puck right away and kind of like just wait a second just makes me like i mean i was screaming at my tv i was like what are we doing and i'll look at the ice time and i'm like okay these guys are more sloppy because like you said they had less or more way more ice time it just wasn't evenly distributed yeah and uh i have a personal message to david quinn david quinn on the penalty kill Jacob Truba saw um, over a minute of ice time because there wasn't a lot of penalties for them to kill off uh, on Tuesday. Not a lot. Adam Fox, your best defenseman uh, when it comes to both ends of the ice. He's the best defenseman offensively for the Rangers and defensively. Under a minute, under 30 seconds, a little over 20 seconds of ice time on the penalty kill. What are you doing? Jack Johnson, over a minute on the penalty kill. It's just, what are you doing? What are you even doing, Quinn? It's just, I don't even understand what goes through his head when he's rolling out these lines and when he's trying to put the lines together in general. Like, what, what is going through his head? I'm just sick of it. I'm truly sick of it. And... We're going to now move on to something. If you want to talk about sickening me more, let's move on to the lines for, or most likely the lines for tomorrow's game. Have you heard the lines most likely for tomorrow's game? Uh, no, I have not. Oh, wait till you hear this because this is going to be interesting. Uh, shout out to Vince Mercogliano, as always on Twitter, keeping us up to date with the practice when it comes to the New York Rangers and keeping us up with the press conferences, which I have not got to watch, or not the press conferences, but the interviews. I have not got to watch the post-game from last game, and I did not get to watch anything from the most recent practice. So here is what we know from practice. Looks like Shesterkin's going to start in Pittsburgh for Friday's game. All right. All right. That That's a smart move. That's Agreeable. fine. Forward line one. You have Lafreniere on the left, Mika Zibanejad centering that with Kreider on the right. I have been wanting this line for a little bit, but at the same time, if this is just to give Lafreniere more ice time, if he gets the same amount of ice time and then Quinn ends up putting Booch back on that line, I'm going to lose it because Quinn is not letting any of these guys develop chemistry at all. He's changing the lines too much. Yeah, and even an opening night, like I don't remember if we addressed this in the first episode, but 
in the first 30 minutes, he's juggling lines already, not letting any chemistry develop at all. It's just ridiculous. Then you have, for the second forward line, Panarin, Strom, Buchnevich. Third line, Di Giuseppe, Hedl, Kako. Fourth line, Lemieux, Howden, Goche. And I even heard that Goche could end up being a healthy scratch tomorrow for Kevin Rooney since he might be coming back. If Goche sits on Friday, I I physically don't I physically and mentally am going to just lose my mind. Like I don't even know what I'll say. I don't know what I'll do. Just I don't understand. But then it only gets better. You ready to hear the defense? Because that's always the question, right? Lindgren and Fox. All right. I like that pairing. Miller yeah. and Truba, which was, by the way, these are the opening night pairings. And then Johnson and D'Angelo. Brendan Smith is most likely going to be a healthy scratch again. Don't agree with that at all. What are we doing? What are we doing? Sorry, you could go. The thing I like about that is uh, Miller on the second line. That's probably in the first. Uh, that's about it. That doesn't really matter since the defense really has been getting equal ice time. It's just why are we pairing Johnson and D'Angelo again? We yeah, are seeing how Johnson's playing alone without D'Angelo. On its own, that's yeah. bad. You throw D'Angelo, yeah. who's terrible in his own zone in that mix... I don't know what David Quinn sees in Jack Johnson to continue playing him, but oh my god, is it brutal. I I really hope Quinn decides before the game we're going to scratch Johnson and play Smith. That's all we could really hope for right now. The only reason I don't think he will is because of the whole lefty-righty thing. And he doesn't want to have two yeah. righties playing with each other, but just do it. Come on. Put Hayek in for Johnson then. It's time yeah. to get Johnson out of the lineup. I I still I never have, never will understand the signing when you have Zedano Chara on the market who signed for less. Signed for less and is significantly miles billion times better than Jack Johnson. Uh, I'm gonna ask you a question. What do you think about the Boyle rumor? The Brian Boyle rumors? Yeah. If it happens, I'll be happy with it. But I, I don't see it happening. I don't think it's gonna happen because I think the Rangers want to try to focus on their youth, even though Quinn is not really doing that. And because oh God, you had Brian Boyle in that mix. He's gonna get more ice time than Philip Heedle, Kako, and Lafreniere. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I agree, but, like, I mean, you need a veteran player to, like, probably the oldest player on our team is, what, Kreider and... I think Jack, like, no, Brendan Smith, and yeah, then Brendan Jack Smith, Johnson, probably. But, I mean, a, a good veteran player to help, like, not coach, but mentor younger players... Is what everyone did. You see it in all sports. You know, teams, yeah. franchises usually stick with a veteran player, even if they're not balling out. They usually have a veteran player 
to mentor their younger players and teach them and pass what they know on to them. The thing is, yes, I agree with that, but it's gotten to the point where veteran presence isn't going to address the ice time issues. Yeah, I agree that we need a veteran on this team, but when they're going to get more ice time than these kids, don't do it. Don't do it because for some reason, Quinn has a thing for playing veteran players instead of the kids. And it just, it's ridiculous to me. It's ridiculous and frustrating to me to watch and everything. A player though, that I do want, and I'm intrigued by Pierre-Luc Dubois. So what I was talking about earlier, in case any of you guys did not know, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois only got about four minutes of playing time in Thursday night's game for the Columbus Blue Jackets versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. And it is because apparently he was not giving 100% effort and it was because he was just playing poorly for the Blue Jackets. And I think that him requesting a trade correlates to this also. I think that they're benching him because of that. But... I think that the Rangers absolutely should be all in on Pierre-Luc Dubois, and I think they will be. He would be a perfect fit as the second-line center. Reunite him with Panarin. Let's do it. Let's do it already. I'd, I'd love that to happen. You already got a connection right there, like him and Panarin. And, you know, for us, I guess it's glad, you know, when you see the hockey, like, an NHL hockey player only get four minutes of ice time in a game, you know something's up. Like, if he wasn't giving his effort, you know, they probably would have just benched him or he wasn't playing well. They would have just benched him and not started him. But when he wants a trade, they, they usually minimize very little playtime. And I think that he's going to end up wanting that. It's just if he comes over to New York and we go all in for him, I don't want him, apparently, you know, the organization saying that he's not giving 100% or not trying. You know, I don't, I don't he's want not giving us 100% right now because he wants out. I think that's what it is. He's, he wants out so bad. He screwed himself by signing that contract. I don't understand why he did, but he screwed himself by signing it. And I think that he's going to end up getting out. He's going to keep giving this lazy effort till he gets out. This guy was a third overall pick in 2016 has first line potential still in my opinion he's only 22 years old played with Panarin there's no reason not to get this going Rangers and you have the assets you have the assets you package together something like Buchnevich picks Robertson or a different young defenseman you have the assets Rangers let's go Let's stop messing around. Bring Pierre-Luc Dubois as a Ranger. And his trade value is only going to go down right now with the effort that he's putting in and the more and more he keeps begging for a trade. It's going to go down his value. And I think that's why the Rangers haven't done it yet. They're going to wait till they could get him at his lowest value so they don't have to give up as much. If Pierre-Luc Dubois wants out, he should just start not going to practice, but... But that, is, that just doesn't look good on him. 
I don't think so. I mean, I don't think so because, to be fair, him wanting to play for, like, really, do you want to play for John Tortorella and the Columbus Blue Jackets? Oh, uh, John Tortorella. Don't even get me started on him. Yeah, he's, he's the awful. one that he's the one that sat him, and only let him play four minutes. That yeah, was he's awful. He's like, yeah, I don't know. I get I get like military coach vibes from him. He's like. He's super, like, forceful and, like, yelly or yells a lot. I mean, his post-game conferences are just... Yeah. He never he, looks happy. Yeah, he uh, told Larry Brooks that he probably got beat up at the bus stop. Yeah, just all <laughs> yeah, that stuff. And he has no chill. Yeah, he definitely doesn't. But Pierre Dubois, I can't blame him for wanting out. He says he wants the big stage. He wants to go to Montreal or the Rangers, play for the big stage. Come on. There's Madden, no bigger stage I mean, than New York. Madison Square Garden is probably the place you want to play at. There's no bigger stage. And when, not like, only are you addressing center, you are getting a center that could win faceoffs, which is clearly a problem for this team and has been for a while. Sorry, what were yeah, you going to say? I was just going to say, like, he wants to play on the big stage, you know, MSG with fans. You know, obviously there's not fans right now, but in the future, you know, fans, MSGs. Even if it's not a playoff team, every every home game in New York is just amazing. It's energetic. It's the big stage. It's in New York. If you want big stage, that's big stage for you. Yeah. Yeah, there's no bigger stage. Pierre-Luc Dubois, yeah. let's go. If you want the big stage, I just wish he didn't sign that contract. I really wish he did. Although, I mean, it will be a f- good contract if we end up trading for him. But he shouldn't have signed it. I mean, he did it to himself. But you finally get someone that could play center. Here would be the change in center. You have... Here's the career faceoff percentage for Pierre-Luc Dubois. 44.1% on the faceoff. It's going up every single year. Phil Peedle's faceoff percentage. 38.4 career. And it's been going down a little. It's been a little up and down, but it's been consistently at 38. Except for his first season, 36. He's never going to be the second line center that we need. Pierre-Luc Dubois will be the second line center we need. That gives you the ability to move Strom down to the third line. Then you move Heedle to the wing. I'm all in for this. I'm all in for this move. Then you open also more playing time for Lafreniere and Kako. There is just no downside to making this move. And that's even if you yeah. trade Buchnevich, because maybe you don't. Then you have him on your third line, Buchnevich, with Heedle there, and then, uh, or no, Strom would probably move down to that third line. Actually, Heedle then yeah. could play the wing. Yeah, I mean you could do a lot of combinations with that, and I don't know. I I think that the Rangers got to be all in on this. Have to. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
Let's see. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you like a quick like little question. You know, what's your opinion so far on the standings for our division? You know, like I I'm completely shocked by the Devils. I the Devils. I mean, I know it's very early. Yeah, the thing with the Devils for me is how how much could they play Blackwood? Because we see, we yeah. saw what happened when Blackwood was in a net. Even when he was in net, that New Jersey team, that defense is just not good that enough. Is, it's, it's, not, it's not good at all. You're allowing 50 shots. I don't care how many shots they blocked. Jack Johnson was yeah. just shooting at their skates. But I don't yeah. care how many shots that they have blocked. Jack Johnson just added to that. I don't care. You allow 50 shots. Your defense did not have a good night. Then, yeah, and even I against the New York Islanders, I'm pretty sure they allowed like 40 shots or something. And they're a team that just is not offensive. They don't play an offensive game at all. They play a neutral zone trap, 1-1-3 one, one, uh, structure defense. And they still ended up getting, yeah, they got 35 shots. And we saw what happened when Blackwood's on net. I don't think New Jersey's winning is going to be sustainable. I mean, I'm not really shocked too much by the standings. I mean, the only thing that I guess you could say is shocking me is that the Rangers aren't where the Devils are. I expect the two of them to be flip-flopped more. But other than that, I mean, I'm not really too shocked by anything. I'm, I think we should beat Pittsburgh tomorrow. But we'll see because I opened my mouth about the Devils. Although, to be fair, they did play better than the Devils. It's just that Blackwood was Blackwood that good. Yeah, he's ridiculous. I'm telling I you mean, right now, if they bring that same game plan and the way they played in the Pittsburgh on Friday, I'm telling you right now, no, you get 50 shots on Pittsburgh, you're winning this game. Oh. You, you're winning this game if you get 50 shots. They got to be better defensively, the Rangers. You get 50 shots on Tristan Jari or Casey DeSmith, you're winning this game. You're getting four in at least. But, like like I said about the standings, you know, I'm just absolutely... Yeah, I'm, I'm pissed because it goes, fly, it goes Flyers, Islanders, Capitals. That's, like, the top three teams that I have strong hate for. And just to see them in the top three, it's, it's just pissing. I know it's yeah. very early, but to me, this I mean, division is is the Flyers to lose. That's my opinion. That's been my opinion. It's their division to lose. Yes. And yes, I, I agree. the thing that's really going to be unfortunate. Sorry, um, what were you going to say? I uh, I was just going to say like what you said because you know, Penguins, Sabers, you know, Devils, even Bruins. You know, they're just they're not. They're not their elite selves anymore, and I just think that they're no longer teams to be, and they're along with us, you know. They're not rebuilding, but it's just it's just not their prime years, and I think that's where, like, Philadelphia and Long Island are right now. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And the thing that I was going to say is it's very unfortunate that you're going to see teams in these other divisions that are worse than... Uh, us or just any team in the east and like it's just going to be so close in a bloodbath in the east and then 
some team that doesn't deserve to make it out of any of the other divisions is going to make it. And it's just unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate. I think we have one of the best divisions. Like, if you look at last year, the West Division was completely awful. You know, it's it's unfair, you know, like... Yeah. Like if, 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 I mean, th- this would never happen, but if last, like, last season we were in the West Division, we would be, like, one of the top teams in the West Division. I mean, it's, it's just... It's crazy, you know. We're just yeah, we're, we got a tough wrong. division, but but a, t- a tough division is only going to make you better, in my opinion. That's true, also, and I do owe an apology to Montreal fans if they continue to play like this. Montreal has been surprising me. I thought they were going to need another year or two until they became dominant. That if they play like this all season, dude. Watch out for Montreal with Carey Price in that, and yeah, Montreal good. finally like building a team for him. They're gonna be good. I mean, I'm, I'm gonna throw this back a little bit. I, I forgot what year it was. We played them in the playoffs. Uh, there was two different years. You have 2017, uh, and then you have 2014. 2014 was the I'm obviously the cup run. Yes, I think that year was that the year he was hurt. Mm-hmm. Played against them, yeah. I mean, Kreider ran him over, yeah. Yeah, that 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 could have been a different outcome. I mean, he 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 was a great goaltender, and you know, props to him. I just thought of this like, if he was in net, that outcome could have been different. He's he's a stud. He's absolutely insane. Now that he has a team around him, this is why I mentioned to most people, which we could kind of, I guess, uh, talk about this a little. If you could go back and pick one team. That or not pick one team, but like if you have to decide out of the 2012 team, the 2014 team, and the 2015 team, I'm sorry, out of those three teams, the 2014 team is the weakest in my opinion. Yes, they did go to the Stanley Cup, but dude, Carey Price was injured. Yeah, in my opinion, the strongest team that I've seen where I've been alive is 2015. We were set up to win the cup that The twenty twelve team also, it's so close with those two. Those two we man, it's just so frustrating. I mean we we were down three one against the Capitals and came all the way back and you know we went to seven with Tampa and you know we lost that. That was unfortunate and um you know, if we win that, I, th- I think we have a good shot at the Cup. And, you know, going into that year, winning the President's Trophy, you know, they always say teams who win the President's Trophy, you know, it's not it's not destined for them to win the Cup. But I was like, there's a good chance that we could actually win the Cup this year and, like, have revenge on what happened the year before. But in my opinion, I think that's the greatest team I've ever witnessed. Yeah, it may just be that, like, we both were really young to like even remember really 2012, but man, that team should have won the president's trophy. Like it's so annoying. They were so good. 51, 24 and seven was their record that year. They should have won the president's trophy. Like I said, and Oh man, that team, that team, it's just really unfortunate. And they came back, um, in that series also against Washington, like Washington fans must hate how much, uh, hate us so much oh, for that. Time. Dude, we, we own them. It was, 
to span those three years in the playoffs over time. We absolutely own them. I mean, we tied the goal when they were about to win the series. We tied the game when they were about to win the series. Then we won it in overtime. And we absolutely stomped over them in game six. And then game seven, we just beat them in double overtime. I mean, that that's crazy. And what I liked about the 2015 team so much is when Cam Talbot stepped in. I mean, yeah, that, that was probably that that that's why I think that team was so good because with a backup goalie, we still were able to win the president's uh, trophy. And that was arguably when we were the like at our hottest point of the season when Cam yeah, Talbot was in that. That was yeah, I agree with that. Honestly, that's kind of that kind of shows the strength of the team. I didn't even think about it kind of from that perspective that the fact that they still won the president's trophy and went on that really great run without Lundqvist Steven being there and you had Talbot and then you had a little bit of Skapsky playing also yeah I I didn't even think about that it just to me in 2012 I don't know it's just like you got Gabrick on that team Richards when he was like you know really good stall before his eye injury it just oh man you know it really screwed the chances of us winning a cup in that era the rick nash trade the rick nash trade was so bad like it really screwed us over in my opinion we gave dude that that was so he wasn't even like in 2015 i think it was he wasn't even during like the capital series he scored one more goal yeah, the guy disappeared the in the playoffs. The guy, yeah, absolutely disappeared. But in I that season, though, you know what? Fine, he had forty-two goals, but in the playoffs, he was nowhere to be found. Yeah, I forgot who he gave up for. Uh, it was one of the assistant captains. I think uh, he went to uh, the Blue Jackets. I, you say his name, I remember from that trade? I'm sorry. What'd you say? Uh, who we got for Rick Nash? Who we traded for Rick Nash? I, I forgot his name. Um, the guys that we traded for Rick Nash, we traded Tim Erickson, Artem Anisimov, Brandon Dubinsky, and yeah, and a first round pick which became Kirby Reichel, and then yeah, we got Rick Nash, and then we got the pick that did become Pavel Buchnevich. Little fun fact, and then although yeah. what we got for Rick Nash is pretty good actually. We got yeah. We traded him right before he went like down. Boston, no, we didn't even. He was going down. It was clear. Boston just overpaid. We got Ryan same, Lindgren same in that trade. Yandel. Yeah, the Yandel trade. Um, we got what was it, D'Angelo, and then the pick that became Leas Anderson, which yeah, Leas Anderson bust. But uh, in that trade for uh, for Rick Nash. We got Lindgren. We got the pick that became Miller. Well, it actually was, went to Ottawa, and then we just um, used it to move up to get Keandre Miller. We essentially got Ryan Strom in that trade because uh, Spooner ended up getting flipped for Strom. We got Matt Bolesky, which really is nothing, and a seventh. That's a lot for a declining Rick Nash that Boston paid, and they didn't even win the cup that year. Yeah, I really think they were pushing to win the cup that year, but yeah, I mean, now that you said it, I was a big Rick Nash fan. He was good in the season. He scored a, lot of, like, a good amount of goals. But, man, we gave up 
and Nisimov and Dubinsky, those were two guys that if we had them, we could have easily won. Dude, Dubinsky, yeah. I, I'm, yeah. I'm taking those two players and putting two really good players on my team instead of just one who didn't even show up in the playoffs. The 14-15 playoffs, Nash wasn't as bad. He did end up getting 14 points. But, man, that this image from the 13-14 season of Nash missing the open net. Oh, my God. That image will be in my head forever of him missing the open net in the cup final. He only got 10 points in that playoff run. Yeah. And keep in mind, we played more games. And he got more points in less playoff games and uh, if he was the way he if he was just as good as we thought he would be for that run it just changes the game completely but you could also say with that 2015 run if Zuccarello didn't get hurt the Rangers would have won the cuff that year the 2012 team I just don't even understand like how they didn't win Uh, 2014 team LA, um, I think I'm not gonna blame it on the officiating, but man, those games were not officiated well. I think it was the was it a tripping call on Zuccarello in Game Five when we were down three one and we had the lead, which gave um LA the power play that ended up tying the game. I think it was a fluke call. I don't remember if it was tripping or whatever, but you look back at the replay and it was not what it should have been. And you know, I think. The whole series, I think the officiating was just bad. Power power plays in hockey are just, like, if it's off a bad call and they score a goal, it's just game-changing. Yeah, and it's really painful. I think the thing, though, that really lost us that series also, or that cop run, was AV's coaching style, because he would have us, whenever we'd get a two-goal lead, have us play, like, a passive defensive game. passive, yeah. Yeah, and it just screwed us over so much. And it's just unfortunate because that... Oh, man. It's just so frustrating that we had a chance to come out of that this past decade with three cups, and you don't even get one. Not even I mean, one. Since, 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 like, I think it was the 08, we've been tied, like, cup tenders. And- yeah, but, like, those three runs, in my opinion, like, stand out the most from the rest of them. I mean, 2017 was kind of a good run. 2016, we lost. We got embarrassed by Pittsburgh. Not nothing really to say there. Who did we? We lost to Ottawa in 17, right? Yeah, we lost them because they Eric, played a one-three-one game. Eric Carlson is that his name? Yeah. Right. He it, owned Lundqvist. I mean, he absolutely owned him. Yeah, and then I, like I Pajot for some reason just decided to like have a game and got a four goal game yeah I remember that against um, us that was have, just that was so stupid we have, we have terrible moments I mean they didn't even have a top I mean Anderson wasn't and to think that they just came in and stomped on us I mean we just after the cup run you know and the president's trophy lost that year against Tampa we just really declined and I think now rebuilding in the next couple of years we'll be back in that spot um because yeah but i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you a question yeah 
What's what's your favorite Rangers goal of all time? Favorite Rangers goal of all time. Ooh, that is tough. <sighs> I got two in my mind. There is so many I have in my mind. Because just you gotta like limit it to certain playoff runs. Cause yeah. twenty fourteen, I mean, the St. Louis goal. You have yeah. in twenty fifteen, that's even tough. You have the step on goal. You have the McDonough goal, the Haglin goal. In 2012, you have the Richards goal and then the Stahl goal in overtime of that game when they came back in the last minute. Oh, man, that's so tough to choose, like, my favorite one out of all of them. I mean, I was a huge St. Louis fan, so I'm kind of leaning towards that, especially just, like, knowing that that was the game after his mom died and everything like that's got to be tough to play just by itself yeah. and then the score that goal you gotta just like give him credit there but i don't know that's that's still really tough for me to decide uh what is yours though well i have two so i'm gonna go with my i'm surprised you didn't bring this one up my favorite rangers goal of all time and like all time like before i even lived was obviously Mateo's goal. That's my favorite Rangers goal. I wasn't alive for it, but it was one of the best. And, I just uh, wanted to pick something that I was alive for, to be honest. Yeah, yeah no, I, I agree with you. Um, like I, my dad tells me stories. He was at that game. He was, he was like at every Ranger game, Cup Series. He was there when they won the Cup. He has one of the original hats from the uh, Stanley Cup in 1994 that the players wore. And those were like not sold, and they were hard to find. But uh, back to the topic, I um, my favorite goal that I've ever seen or experienced in my lifetime was Derek Stepan's game seven. I mean, that is the most electrifying goal I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean that that goal was amazing. Like, like I loved uh Saint Louis or Marty Saint Louis um goal in overtime. You know, top shelf. You know. Everyone started standing up when he got the puck, and that brings back good memories. I, I loved him as a hockey player, but you know, I think the bigger goal that I've witnessed was Stepan's. You know, he was in the right place at the right time, and the roof just blew off at MSG. Yeah, you ever watch the live videos of that? That was yeah, just. I, I go back and watch it, and man, you can't even hear the goal horn. Yeah, it's. Insane. I'm so glad that I could have picked the Haglin goal just out of the fact that I was at that game. That game was just amazing, also. Haglin's game winner in game five against Pittsburgh send us to the yeah. second round. That was just that was an amazing goal, also. I could have easily picked that, but man, that step on goal and the St. Louis goal just it's so tough to choose out oh, of yeah. all of them. Yeah, yeah, because I feel like like Haglund's goal we were up 3-1 in the series so like there was no like pressure there but you got game seven double overtime send us off to the next round um I think that if we ended up winning the cup that year that definitely would have been one of the most like in Rangers history one of the best goals ever yeah absolutely and you know what sucks about that run though the 2015 run I feel like Zuccarello was due for a big moment in that run. I feel like yeah. if they should, if they went to the cup, had they went to the cup, just all they had to do was 
score some goals. Walkwitz kept them in the game in game seven. Just score two goals. That's all they needed. Because I'm pretty sure they got the second one on an empty netter. But all you have to do is score at least two goals. Zuccarello would have came back for the cup. And I feel like he would have been due for a big moment in the cup. Possibly even win us the Stanley Cup that year. Yeah. Uh, I think the Tampa Bay game, seven goals. Um, we didn't score anything in that game. No, we didn't. I think it was, it was 10 minutes left. And they were up 1-0. And they scored a goal. Second goal, I think it was. Oh, yeah, they Two did. It was an empty net. Yeah, you're right. It, it, it was with like 10 minutes left. And I remember watching with my dad, and I was just like shocked. I was like, this great era. Not even, no, I wouldn't call it an era, but this great one. All of a sudden, I felt deflated. Like, they can't end this way. You know, we're in game seven. We just came back to 3 1 from the Capitals, and we're going to lose like this, not even score a goal in game seven. It was just deflating. Yeah, it just, again, it's still deflating to me. Just the fact that you don't come out with any cups with that core at all. Like, Lundqvist just needed one. I feel so bad for him. He, if, and I highly doubt he'll get a cup with the Capitals. Um, I don't know. I haven't been following it. I don't know if he'll be starting goaltender. He won't be if he returns, but... I feel like Washington could have a chance technically to win a cup if he does make it. If he makes it back and suits up for a game in the Stanley Cup for Washington and Washington wins it, that's a story. I, I, listen, I I hate the Capitals. I hate Alex Ovechkin with the passion. We even have a chant for him. Like That's how much we hate him. He absolutely owns Wolfsburg all the time. I absolutely hate him, but if I saw Longquist win a cat or a cup with the Capitals, I, I wouldn't be too. Because if he doesn't win the cup, he'll go down as one of the ever to not, if not the greatest ever. And I think it's just sad he couldn't win one with New York because you know he'll always be remembered as a Ranger. So like, if you look on from twenty years from now, you're gonna remember Henry Longquist as a Ranger and not. Capitals. So if you want to cup with the Capitals, you're not gonna really remember him for that. Especially being a backup goalie, really. It just it he was destined for so much better. I mean, I'm talking a two P, a three P back in those years where we were just insane and it's just it's sad, you know. I he gave his heart out, you know. He he was I saw him after the games, I mean he would just absolutely yeah there was just never good enough defense for him you look at his stats though in the playoffs the guy in the playoffs i'm not going to count the first his first playoff uh appearances because that was only three games but only once he had a save percentage below 900 and that's the time that he didn't is the time where the team completely flopped against Pittsburgh and got embarrassed. Other than that, his save percentage was always above 900 with that garbage defense all the time. And specifically on the three runs we've been talking about, the 11-12 run, 931 save percentage. The 13-14 run, he had a 927 save percentage. The 14-15 run, 928 save percentage. The guy was an animal in the playoffs. 
complete animal, and, yeah, he, and he, he just deserved the cup. I mean, I even think I'm gonna throw this back to the 2015. His save percentage could have been higher. I mean, you look at the goal that I forgot who scored it against the Capitals when they went up two games one or three games one. Went off his skate. You know, he didn't give up fluke goals. Like if they scored, it it wasn't his fault. You know? He didn't leave something wide open. You know, if he if he allowed a goal, it was probably a one timer or just something that he couldn't stop. You know, he he was stopping everything. Yeah, I mean, you look back at the scores of these games. Most of them were two to one, two to one, two to one. Like, yeah, the only brutal insane. game I could really remember is the one against Tampa. I think it was game one when he allowed like seven goals. Yeah, I was like, oh, we're we're in for a ride. But um, I think that, yeah. but like he, I mean, yeah, you said look at the scores. I mean. You know how many games we played during the playoffs that went into double overtime and overtime? I mean, that's just... And he kept us in. Yes. It's it's insane. Like, the the Martinez goal in game five against Mm. us, I'll never watch that highlight again. But... Unless you're following NHL NBC on Instagram, they're going to force you to watch it because for some reason they love posting that goal. But yeah, sorry, continue. Yeah, yeah I mean, double overtime, what was it, like 2-2 as the score of that game when that was it, or 1-1, I forgot. But it was probably 2-2, but we're in double overtime, and I mean, he was stopping everything, and then they just get a lucky break, and no, not one goal in the NHL is stopping that. He didn't give up easy goals. That's all. That's all I have to say. Let's also not sleep on the thirteen fourteen run where he got the shutout in Game Six to send us to the Cup. He was the reason that thirteen fourteen team actually had a chance to win the Cup because yeah. the rest of the team was just not good enough. I don't care what yeah. anyone says; they were not good enough. All the games in that season were so, or that playoff run, I should say, were so low scoring. Lundqvist kept them in every single game and got the shutout. Like they, you're playing Dustin Turkarski uh, or whatever his name is against the Canadians. How are you not scoring more goals? The fact that Lundqvist even had to get a shutout that game is ridiculous. But I'm glad he did. You want to hear this? Also, I have his playoff stats pulled up. In those three runs, mm-hmm. he had over a thousand two hundred minutes at least in those playoff runs total for those runs. That's, that's insane. That's that's like every that's every game. I would. Yeah, it is. He until Shesterkin started a game last year in the playoffs. Lundqvist got the start in every single playoff game until then. I forgot how many games it was exactly. I think it was like a hundred. 20 something other than that it's just been Lundqvist opening night for the first time since 2005 it was we had someone not Henrik Lundqvist start opening night it was 2004 actually I believe no it was 2005 never mind yeah he's been ridiculous ever since he came into I mean it's sad that we had to let him go because we have two outstanding goaltenders right now 
we're talking about just Dirk and you know what was he was a rookie last year, right? If I'm correct, or, he's still technically a rookie because he didn't yeah play the yeah, didn't certain amount of games. Start. Yeah, so they, I heard this stat, and I think it was after they beat Carolina. I don't forget if it was Carolina. I think it was his. He was like the first ever in NHL history as a rookie goaltender to win the first nine games or eight games or nine out of ten games, and you know he's being set up to be the next one. I think, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that, um, and hopefully he gets comparable. us a win tomorrow. He'll never be comparable, but when that kid is hot, nobody's scoring on him. Sorry, but it it's just he's gonna have a lot of goals allowed. I think, in my opinion, in season and next season, because like I said, we're still rebuilding. It would be nice to make the playoffs, but because we don't have a strong defense and a strong team. They're going to get more shots on them. The thing you is, know, our defense could be better. That's the thing. Like, our defense yeah, could be yeah, good. We, we saw it we against just, the Islanders. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what it is with Jacob Truba. But, and I remember I was at, I was at Carolina last year right before the season. Like, when COVID thing, I saw a game in Carolina. I think he had, like, two penalties and, like, like I don't know, like, the whole game. And I mean, a defenseman who can't keep himself out of the penalty box is just—I hate that. Because when you are a good defenseman and you take yourself and put yourself in the penalty box off of just mental things, and you can't keep your cool, like mental frustration, mistakes, those kind of penalties, you're putting your team down because you're—you just—you're a defenseman, okay? It, it's not hard. Keep your cool and stay out of the penalty box. That's all I gotta say. Yeah, and it's just ridiculous the fact that we're paying this guy eight million dollars for so long. I can't even like the pro the thought process. I understand what the Rangers' thought process was. So their thought process with it, in case any of the listeners want to know, or even if you're curious of what the thought process was. The thought process was that Jacob Truba had 50 points in Winnipeg and was a stud last year. That, and it was his 25-year-old season. You're thinking, all right, this guy's turning 26, 27. This guy could break out. So they get him and sign him to this long-term deal. And they were in hope that it would look like a steal because they would were thinking obviously this is pre-covid so they were their assumption was the cap would go up soon or at some point at least and obviously that's just not the case the cap's not going to go up for a while and now we're stuck with this and in my opinion what the rangers should have done was a one-year prove it deal to prove that that year wasn't a fluke that 50 point year wasn't a fluke because the guy never got 50 points, was not like that. That was just a completely different Jacob Truba that just in general than ever. They should have signed him to a one-year prove-it deal, make him prove that he could do it again. Then you sign him to the big deal if he does, which obviously he didn't. Then we'd be looking at a completely different scenario. But now we're stuck with that contract because I don't think there's any chance any team takes that. 
Yeah, I mean, it's sad. You know, sometimes those mistakes happen. You would like to go back and be able to fix it, but there's no telling what can happen. It's a big mistake, though, that I don't feel like it's going to be fixable. And for a team that has a lot of rookies that's gonna, they are going to need to be paid at some point, it's not good having that contract on the Bucks. It does not do anything good for the team whatsoever. We have six more years of it. Six yeah, more. Six more years of screaming. Yeah, six more years of hell. I mean, the Rangers gotta find some sort of way to trade him. Like, you can't do this anymore. I'm surprised before his no trade clause kicked in, they didn't try to trade him. And I'm so unless there was just no takers and they did try, but I feel like there would have been a takers after there would be some takers after. Yeah, his season was bad, but there might have been a team that would be like, "Oh, we could fix him, maybe." But eight million for the next six years. You just look long term. All right, you have a couple guys coming off the books that you're going to need to pay this year: Shesterkin, Lindgren, uh, Howden, Goche, Heedel, and Buchnevich all have expiring contracts after this year. You have some of the buyout money from uh, Lundqvist going off. A lot of it, actually. Same with Shat and Kirk, which helps. But then you look at future years. The year after that, you have Zabanajad, Strom, Lemieux, Kako, D'Angelo, Fox. And then you have Lafreniere the year after. Yeah. It's not going to be good. Yeah. Um, I like how you mentioned Shattenkirk. I think that was probably one of the not dumbest things, but really, I mean, I expected him to come in the year to be a stud, and he did not live up to that expectation. I mean, we did get him for a good price because he wanted to play in New York. Like, he it was a hometown discount, yeah. For, yeah, so he was going to play for a cheaper price, but... He was not anywhere near the hype. I, I don't know. It's tough with them. Not anywhere near, but I, I, I expected more. Injuries derailed him in his first year, and I think just mm-hmm. Lindy Ruff, the way he had the defense playing, and the defense was coached also. I think that also kind of fucked him up a lot because you had. Uh, him go to Tampa Bay and win a cup just now and he was really good actually not anything like top end pairing top pairing defenseman but he was pretty good and you know what also kind of sucks about it we're not sitting here talking about the Jacob Truba contract if we don't have to buy out Shattenkirk we're talking about Shattenkirk this being, I believe it would be the last year of his deal at this point. That's what we'd be talking right now. Instead, if we're sitting here with Shat and Kirk. But no, instead we're talking Jacob Truba here. And it just sucks. It sucks so much. And I just don't know what the Rangers are going to do when it comes to the whole Jacob Truba problem. Because he's... They're going to have to trade probably Kreider because of this, which sucks. 
but we gave up a lot to keep him too yeah but we didn't know we were gonna win the first overall pick i think had the rangers known they would win the first overall pick you trade him and then lafreniere's on your left side but obviously the rangers didn't know they were gonna have the first pick least unexpected making the playoffs and getting the first round pick too absurd that's all i gotta say i just when Kreider's gone i'm gonna i'm gonna be really sad you know the last from that amazing you know era yeah and to me he should have been named the captain i'm still surprised he wasn't oh my gosh Someone needs to be named the captain. What do we have? Four assistants? Yeah, it should be Kreider, though. Like, there's no yeah, reason for him not to be because he's the longest tenured Ranger. He is here for seven more years. He's been on deep playoff runs, knows what it takes, plays with great. And, like, people say, like, Zabanajad and even some say Panarin. But one, uh, the thing with Zabanja and Panarin, they both don't handle the media well. Panarin doesn't even speak English, so that kind of eliminates him either way. I don't know if you watched yeah. him and Booch in that post game, but that was so funny. But they can't. Panarin can't even speak English. Zabanja is like shy. Also, let's not. Uh, I love Zabanja. But let's not sleep on the fact that Kreider had the balls to stay after they got swept by Carolina to talk to the media while Zabanajad ran off and didn't address the media after the sweep. Kreider stayed, speaks multiple languages. He no and also having Panarin or Zabanja being your captain, people use the whole point that they're more consistent and they're better players. If anything, that shows why Kreider should be the captain, because Rookies are not going to go through. You want your captain to be someone that you could look up to. And yeah, because if you have Kreider who goes through ups and downs, he's going to know how to handle them and tell the rookies when they're going through lows, he could help them handle and tell them what it's like to go through lows. The Banja and Panarin don't really go through lows as much in their careers. So, and Kreider plays with grit also, like I said. So that's someone you want to model your game after. And he just has everything, in my opinion, as what it takes to be the captain. Also, being to a Stanley Cup, so he's got experience like with playoffs too. Exactly, Zabanjad has a second round exit and a couple first round exits. Kreider's been to multiple conference finals, a cup final. He's been on these long playoff runs. It yeah, just there's no reason for him not to be the captain. I mean, he's lost the Stanley Cup. He's been through the worst. He lost all of his teammates, and he still it plays with heart. I mean, he there's no doubt in my mind he should be the captain, but I guess we like pretty much smashed that. But I'm going to ask you, between the two, who is your favorite captain? Ryan Cannon, or Ryan Callahan or McDonough? Or McDonough, did you say? Yeah. Uh, McDonough. Because I heard apparently yeah. there was like problems with Callahan being the captain or whatever. So McDonough. Yeah. Yeah, and McDonough stayed longer. Yeah, and that's like kind of a whole thing also. Like people were asking like why McDonough became the captain and not someone like, you know, someone like Zuccarello during then that time. Because 
you don't just give it to the best player you give it to yeah you got to give it to someone that goes through ups and downs and has lots of experience and just there's just like certain standards to being a captain that people just like ignore and Zuccarello is kind of like Zibanejad to me he'll talk to the media but like he's more shy than a guy like McDonough is to the media Kreider he's not shy when he talks to the media you listen to when he talks in the media he sounds confident doesn't sound shy doesn't back away or anything from the media he he just has everything to be a captain and yeah. I'm just I was shocked when the Rangers went into the season saying they were gonna have four alternates and not name one yeah I mean like you said like I'm gonna take this topic a little bit further swerve, but um, like you said, it should be like someone who's been there for a while and knows it best. Like I was shocked. I've, I don't follow the Edmonton Oilers, but when McDavid got named captain, I mean, I don't know how he is off the ice or whatever, but you know, he's still very young and he's a captain. So I would, I don't, I don't follow him as much. I know he's a great player, but I don't know how he is off the ice. And usually, when you see captains, it's, it's usually one of their older players i would think yeah he got named captain too early i think that like he's fine in terms of like the media and everything i would have gave it though to like someone like nugent hopkins if i was the oilers or something you know like a guy who was a first overall pick but even then like he's someone that could be like look i was a first to these younger players i was a first overall pick but i still go through lows a lot like you go through lows in your career and everything like I don't know how he is with the media or anything, but yeah, but with the Islanders, you don't see them naming Barzell captain. They have Lee as their captain. Kind of this a similar situation. The Blackhawks, Kane's not the captain, Taze is. With, uh, what were you going to say? I mean, Taze or Patrick could be the captain. I mean, they're both, they've both been there forever. Yeah, but I would say that is more like qualifies for the captain i don't know just on the bottom and then like the stars you have ben as the captain you don't see it's not tyler sagan you know like like, the maple leafs also matthews captain yeah he's He's not yeah he's not the captain Tavares is. oh i mean yeah he should still he's i think that austin matthews is a player yeah yeah, awesome. Matthews is probably their best player. Like, there's some times you could give it to the best player when you have, like, a Crosby or, like, an Ovechkin. And even McDavid, I'm fine with McDavid being captain. But, like, I feel like they did it early. Sabres, same with Eichel for them. Like, it's fine to have it be your best player. But, like, to me, Zabanajad isn't, like, that type of player no. where he, he could be the captain. Yeah, I just think. No question, Kreider should be captain. Uh, I forgot who's the the fourth alternate. I know it's Panarin and Benajad. Truba, <laughs> which it makes no sense at all. It's always been one captain and two assistants. Yeah, or three alternates, but I, they wanted to give it to someone on defense, which I guess Truba does make the most sense if you look at the defense. Like who yeah, else yeah, from that defense are you gonna? Like Mark Stahl. Yeah, like who, who defensively are you giving it to? Fox is too young. Everyone's too young. You're not gonna give it to Jack Johnson or Smith or D'Angelo. So, 
sure. Oh. Give it to the guy who's making eight million. Let him was let him it, have some value. <laughs> yeah, was it uh? This is a throwback. Was it Delzato a captain? Uh, he might I, I, have I been. know Girardi was. Girardi was probably one of my favorite defenses. Yeah, that's what I like about him and like Lindgren. Like they're just those type of players that will like block shots and everything. Yeah, uh, and that's how Chris Kreider is too, right? He 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 gave up his body. I forgot what playoffs it was. Didn't he break his foot one time in the playoffs? Or no. Uh, no, he broke his foot last year. Last year, uh, but didn't he get hurt one time blocking a shot? In the, or who got hurt one time? Zuguero uh, ended up blocking his own teammate's shot, and that's how he fractured his skull. But no, nah, but what I mean <laughs> by that is Kreider is he'll he'll block he'll block a shot. Yeah, and not to discredit Mika, now that we're like talking about it, not to discredit Mika, but Kreider helps him get some of those goals. Like, Kreider's standing in front of the net, screening the goalie. Yeah, exactly, and he's helping Zvaja get some of those goals, which I think him playing with Lafreniere tomorrow, I think Lafreniere has a chance to get a goal with Kreider screening yeah. in front of the net. That would be huge, but... Yes, he'll, he'll get open more. Like, I really feel like, like Panarin, he doesn't need that. He's a pure sniper. He can hit shots. Like, he can fit yeah. the puck into small places. He doesn't need a screen, obviously. Would help. I would think, in my opinion, if you had someone in front of the net, which he probably might here and there, but he's a pure sniper. He can hit a shot from anywhere. Yeah. That's just yeah. how I think. I, I, agree think with that. I think. I think he's our best player, in my opinion. He's not. He's. He's. I don't want to jinx it. We he has four points in the last two games, so I mean that's a pretty good start. Yeah, and with that contract, everyone was saying it's an overpay, and hopefully he keeps this up because I don't want to jinx it like you said. But if he like keeps this up, this contract has been pretty good so far. And yeah, like the last year or two may be a little more painful than. It is right now. Like it's not painful, but like I mean, it may be more painful than like how things are now. But that's kind of the thing that I was kind of thinking about just now at Truba. Maybe they sign them to these deals, so then like their thought process is that they could sign their RFAs to bridge deals. Then when these guys are up, then they get their bigger paydays. But I I don't know what they're gonna do with the cap because I'm pretty sure they expect it to go up, but. Panarin, yet yeah, this contract could end up being a steal if he keeps up this type of production. 100%. Probably our best steal ever, almost. He could end up being one of the best free agent signings ever because if you just look at the yes. past, you have like Brad Richards, just all these guys that just... Uh, Shattenkirk, all these big-name guys that we've spent... Uh, money on they just never lived up to the expectations or the hype Panarin has that chance and like we're saying don't want to jinx it but like he really does have the chance to be the best New York Ranger free agent signing ever and I'm really hoping that it becomes that way yeah 100% alright do we wrap it up here yeah I think we covered more than enough 
All right, so that is going to do it for this episode. I hope you guys did enjoy it. Please remember to follow us on social media at bbpodcast94, Instagram and Twitter, that is. Be sure to subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Drop a like, comment also. If you're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, be sure to follow us. And we will see you guys in the next episode. Bye, everyone.